And welcome to episode 10. We've, we've hit a milestone here. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm on episode 10 of Cinema. I didn't know if it would get this far, but I want to thank everybody who's subscribed and, and it's getting views and listens. And so I'm, I'm really happy about that. Thank you for the subscriptions and keep that feedback coming. I'm, I'm really emboldened to, to keep going. And let's get right to it. Today's episode is what I call, So What Do You Got?, and uh, let me give you a little backstory on this. Um, and this deals totally with cynicism in filmmaking. And uh, a long time ago, before I became a professional filmmaker, uh, I had a script that I felt needed a director attached to it. And I got Tommy Lee Wallace. And if you remember Tommy Lee Wallace, he is the director of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Uh, in addition, he also did Fright Night 2 and Vampires 2. And probably his biggest claim to fame is um, Stephen King's It, the miniseries. He directed and and co-wrote the teleplay for that. And Tommy has become uh, kind of like uh, an adopted dad and and Obi-Wan Kenobi mentor. And um, I've learned a lot from Tommy. And I remember when Tommy first came to my project, it was originally titled Dark Horse. Tommy came in to uh, help me get this film made. And it was a long time. And he had warned me that this this could be a long process. And in the end, with all the blood, sweat, and tears, uh, the, the movie just may never get made anyway, but he was going to try his damnedest. And I remember I grew a little frustrated uh, about maybe a year into this process. At that time, I didn't understand that there are a lot of things in play and that it wasn't just on Tommy, that there were a lot of elements that that figured into all of this. So at one point, I was on the phone with him and... Um, I guess I said it the wrong way or it came across the wrong way or I sounded like persnickety or or impatient. But Tommy, who is a laid back guy, and for those of you who know Tommy and have have listened to interviews of him, he talks very slow in a Kentucky accent, very slow and very mellow, never really gets excited. And I remember I must have verbally pushed him into a corner because when I, I basically, you know, asked like, so what's going on with this movie? Uh, he replied with a very simple question and he said, okay, well, what do you got? And I stopped in my tracks and I thought about it and I'm like, what do I got? What do I, well, I, I don't have any financing. I, I don't have any connections like Tommy does, nor the, the history of, of being in entertainment like Tommy has and the pedigree. Um, turns out that well, what do I got? I I got jack shit. That's what I got. And I always remember that. And and it's a very straightforward question. And that is, so, what do you got? Let's get right into it and talk about the frustration any of you filmmakers out there are finding with financing. And as you know, it's a dance, or as I call shaking the money tree, whatever analogy or metaphor you want to use to describe this, it translates down to, It's one big pain in the ass. That's what it is. And I'm sure all of you that are listening that have been out there securing financing, trying to get financing, whatever it is that you've been trying to do, you have your own stories. And the number one thing about this industry in filmmaking is is that it's really about finding out who's less full of shit. Everybody's full of shit. That's the problem. You get the ones that say, oh, this movie's going to make $400 million. It's going to have a billion dollar franchise, blah, 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 blah. And and that's full of shit. Oh, this one's going to be the next Star Wars. It's going to be the next Harry Potter. It's going to be the next Fast and Furious. The next. That's the other ones. The next. 
That's what I call them. Their, their movie's going to be the next. And nine times out of ten, no, no it's not. So I'm, I'm going to give you an example of, of a perfect example of, of these kind of bullshitters. And what you have to watch out for when, when you ask the question, so what do you got is, the, the most dangerous one is, is the person who really does have the money. Yeah, you could offer up that, you know, there are other people that, that could waste your time and, and that's dangerous. But there are those who check out who sincerely have the financial capability of doing what you need done. And the problem is some of these people, for whatever reason, there, there is no scientific answer for this. They're just going to jerk you around. And we don't know why. We don't know what they get out of it. They, they don't take any money from you, um, but they just waste your fucking time. Uh, I continued over with um, Dark Horse trying to get it made. And one of them was a guy who I'm not going to drop his name and I'm not going to drop the film tell he was associated with. But I, I can tell you this, uh, if you're into horror and most of you are that follow me, um, this guy produced probably one of the single-handedly most famous independent horror movies ever made. And it's it's a more modern one. And anyway, this guy was uh, saying he was interested in in doing this movie and blah, 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 blah. And really, we started walking down the aisle with this guy. And, and he had the financial capability and the production capability of making this movie. So is he full of shit? Yes, but we thought he was on the side of lesser full of shit. We wasted close to six months with this guy. Let me tell you, what I've learned is the people with the true money that have an intent to actually make a movie, they never talk about how wealthy they are. They don't talk about their money and they don't show it off. They don't show it off with their cars, their homes, or or anything lavish. They ask smart questions. Uh, they play it close to the vest and they listen to you. And then they'll decide. They'll make an informed decision. The ones that start talking about their money and their cars and they're buying this. Well, I remember I called this guy one time to kind of ask, so what are we doing here? And his reply was, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just leaving the dealership right now. I just bought a brand new Mercedes Benz. And I wanted to say like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Um, that's great that you bought the car, but what about my movie that you've been talking about for close to six months that you want to see get made? And in the end, look, it's no surprise anybody listening. This guy never committed and, and he went away. He, I don't think ever had any real intention of making this movie. And I don't know the real reason behind why he just didn't want to commit. He had the financial wherewithal and the industry connections to get this done that wasn't an issue. He was vetted and cleared. Sometimes you get these people that become very enthusiastic about things. And, and it's kind of like what they say of never make a promise when you're really happy because you're going to regret making that promise later on when you have to deliver on it. And maybe this guy, for some reason, we caught him in a good mood that day when he read the script or whatever. And yeah, yeah, I want to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just go away. The, the ebulliency or, or the, the initial euphoria wears off. And these people go away. I, I can give you an example of a recent uh, issue that I had. And that is, uh, there was a billionaire financier and, and this guy checked out. We had him fully checked out. He was who he said he was. And most of all, he had the financial, more than the financial ability. He could make probably 10, $10 million pictures and probably make that interest up outside of six months to a year, even if he never saw a return on any of the films. 
And this guy started out with, I want to give you guys money. Uh, it's about the message of this movie. Uh, it isn't about the return. I don't care if I ever see a dime. Okay, well, that sounds a little too good to be true. And, and when they say that, you know, if it sounds to be good, too good to be true, then it is. Because all of a sudden it went from, this is about the message, to I want to submit to you a corporate structure and uh, for future investors and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You went from... I want to do this. It's it's not about the return to now I want to set up a corporate structure and a financial waterfall and uh, elaborate PowerPoints uh, to bring on shareholders and, and, you know, for these future investors. And it was a total bait and switch is really what it was. And, and again, I don't know if this was an initial euphoria thing. You also get financiers that will come to you and basically they, they want to be part of the movie industry. So they like to tell their friends maybe that they're making a movie. Uh, some of them want to just get, you know, posted on Facebook. They want to get pictures with somebody like me or, or principal cast members or, or anything like that. They, they want to go down these roads and yet they never want to reach the destination. But I will say that, that it becomes a real downer and it leads you to become very cynical about this industry. I'm naturally a glass half empty kind of guy. I've been pretty much that way all my life. And yet the dichotomy of all this is I'm in an industry that <laughs> hope springs eternal. And I always equate it with turning over rocks. Um, you know, you can go into a stream, you can turn over a rock and you'll find nothing. Another rock, you'll find a snake and you find a lot of snakes. But every once in a while you turn over that rock and you find a nugget of gold. No one can really say no. That's the other thing. No one really wants to tell you no. What they do is, even if they've committed verbally to say, yeah, I'm excited about this. I want to see your pitch decks, your production decks, whatever you want to call them, your financial plans. They keep asking for things and you keep going further down the road, which leads you to believe that these people are serious. And especially once you vetted them and you find that they're real and they do have the ability to do this. And then all of a sudden, they just go away. They stop returning your emails. They, they won't return your phone calls. And if you do happen to catch them on an off moment, they give you some excuse why they have to get off the phone quickly. And, and they apologize. There's always some kind of family problem, an issue going on, a business problem. And uh, they, they just don't have the time for this now. Translated, what that is, is they're, they're giving you the brush off. And very much like in a relationship, they're just hoping you kind of go away and stop bothering them. The reason why I, I've been told, one of the reasons why this happens is, is because they never want to really tell you no. And that even goes in the way of, of even in the industry itself, the industry proper, where a studio doesn't really want to tell you no. They, they hope it just kind of dies on the vine. Because if you do go on to become a major success, they never want to be the person that told you no. And I've had that where I've run into industry people where they've eventually just kind of disappeared and, and I've run into them and, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, Harrison. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Uh, I, I don't know if my assistant didn't get me your messages. They'll try to put the blame on somebody else. They'll never take that bullet. And I will always try to get a response from these people. I will always try to get a no because at least say no and you know where you stand and you can stop wasting your damn time. However, a lot of these kind of people, they don't get this. And that leads me to the next thing, which I've tweeted about a number of times on my account. And that's what I call the witch's brooms. So you independent filmmakers out there that are listening right now, did you ever have this situation? And that is you run into somebody who, let's just say for the sake of argument, is real. Uh, they, they have the financial wherewithal to make your project. 
Uh, they like your project. They've told you all that. So let's say you've started down the aisle with these people, but they start coming back to you with things. Well, I, I want a proper business plan. Okay. So you go out and you get that, or you might even have one. You hand them the, the business plan and they go, oh, this is great. Yeah, I loved it. But uh, I need to see your distribution plan now. And uh, who do you plan on getting in this movie? And I want to see stats on those people to see how they performed. They're giving you these tasks. And sometimes you can surprise the living shit out of them when you have all this in place because they really didn't expect you to have that shit in place so quickly. They hope that it takes, you know, a couple days, if not weeks. So you go away for a little bit. And yet they can still keep that door open. I equate this with the witch's broomstick from the Wizard of Oz. And if you remember Dorothy and her troop, the the lion and the scarecrow and the tin man, they came to the wizard and they all asked for things. Dorothy wanted to go home and, and you know the deal if you've seen the film and read the books. And the wizard replies, yes, I'll grant you your wishes if you bring me the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West. And Dorothy and the gang, as you know, go out and uh, they end up melting the witch And they bring the broomstick back to which the wizard replies, come back tomorrow. So wait a minute, that wasn't the deal, asshole. You said, go out and bring me the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West and I'll grant your wishes. Well, we did it. We went through a lot of trouble to kill this woman. So it's time to pay up, motherfucker. Investors or financiers, as I I think is the better word for them, uh, will make you go get witches brooms. Go get me this, go get me that. And when you come back, Maybe I'll grant your wish. Maybe we'll get one step closer to getting your movie made. This is a lot of shenanigans and it can become exhausting. It can take a year or so, or even more some people have dedicated just to land what they think is what they call a financial whale to find that you're you're not getting anywhere anyway. And probably this person either lost interest or never had any real intention of giving you money anyway. I'll give you another example of one. I call this guy the sweat equity guy. And the sweat equity guy, when we were making zombie killers, I had an investor that I approached and uh, this financier said, yeah, I'll give you the money to make the movie. You can get a star or two. That's what I want. Uh, you know, I see what you have budgeted for special effects, um, but I'm not going to pay you. And I was like, excuse me? And the guy's like, well, you know, I'm putting skin in the game. I expect you to put skin in the game. It's like, well, wait a minute. I wrote a feature length screenplay and it's a good one. Uh, I'm putting together the crew. I'm directing the motion picture. I'm securing the locations. I got all the post crew. I got all the special effects. I got everything. I said to him, well, you build all these buildings. Uh, Would anybody build your buildings for sweat equity? I mean, how far off would you be if somebody said, you know, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. And I wanted to ask him, would you work for sweat equity? So in other words, the guy wanted me to work for free and I replied, no, I'm giving you all of this. I'm giving you a crew. I'm giving you celebrities. I'm giving you a screenplay. I'm giving you locations. So what do you got? Do you got a checkbook? Do you got the money? Are you going to put this up or are we just going to keep doing this circle jerk? And for those of you out there who have gone down this road, you're probably nodding right now going, hell yes, I totally understand Harrison. And this is what can make us cynical to where some people just, they bottom out. Hilton Ruiz, in my last uh, episode, in my interview with him, he said this, and it was great. He said that the film projects don't really fall apart. They're abandoned. And some people just abandon them. They, they realize, I'm not getting anywhere with this. And you know what? I'm just hanging it up. So fuck this. And that's what you can't do.
So when are you considered a real professional filmmaker? I went uh, recently to a, a film market and there were a bunch of round tables up there where you sit and you meet with people. And these are all industry people. These, these are not private equity people. These are industry people who have production companies, some of them well-known. I'm not going to name any in this podcast, but they send representatives to sit at these tables. And it's kind of like speed dating. You sit down at these round tables with these people and, and six, seven other filmmakers and uh, basically you listen to them. They tell you the following. We want content and we are looking to finance. And that is made very clear. You have to read the programs to see who are distributors, who are acquiring already made projects and who is actually out there making stuff. And they will say, we finance, we are looking to finance productions. That's important. I made sure to sit at tables with people that are looking for content and looking to finance that content. You're also sitting at a table with a lot of people that make what I call the $5,000 movie. And that's great. And, and I've said many times, go out and make your movie no matter what the budget. But the problem is when you're making films for three, five, a million dollars, that kind of thing, the problem is some of them promise their financiers, I'm going to make this movie for five or $10,000 and it's going to make X and we're going to put it here and it's going to go big and all of this stuff. No, it's not. It's a bold faced lie. And then when you sometimes cross paths with these money people or these money people talk with other money people, and I can't tell you how many times I've met with someone who could potentially write a check saying, uh, listen, I, I really don't want to get involved with this. I had a friend. Uh, they got involved with a movie. They made it for like 25 grand and the movie never went anywhere. And my friend lost all his money. And that's a problem. It muddies the water for the rest of us that are out there. So it's not a matter of professional snobbery where I'm saying I'm better than someone else. What it comes down to is you're, you're sitting with a lot of different people who are at different levels. And look, I am not at Spielberg level. And so you, you have to field out a lot of these people because they will latch on and, and they'll, they'll siphon funds away from you. I go into this whole thing with kind of, I guess some might argue, a cocky attitude. And that attitude was this, and that is, God damn it, I'm Harrison Smith, and I'm the maker of Death House, which is currently on Netflix. I made a cult classic, Camp Dread. I made The Fields. I've, I have seven feature films to my name. I have a, a great VR project with Amanda Wiss from A Nightmare on Elm Street, picked up by Samsung. I have a straight-to-series reality show on Discovery. I've got some street cred here, and I'm not going to sit there and, and listen to them saying, okay, well, what do you got? Blah, 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 blah. And what do you got? My answer to them is, what do you got? That's my question to them. What do you got? I've got the content. I've got two best-selling IPs. I've got a load of great independent scripts. What do you got? So I'm going to tell you this. And I opened up when they came to me. We would do a round table. And they're like, okay, who are you? Who are you? And they would get to me. And I, I would say it. It was like, my name is Harrison Smith. I'm the director and writer of Camp Dread, uh, currently of Death House, which is streaming on Netflix. And right away, I had a number of these people go, oh, yeah, 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 Camp Dread, Death House. Uh, you did zombie killers. You did the fields. I was known at the table. And there were even people sitting at the table saying, oh, yeah, I, I saw your movies. And I'm not doing that for bragging and I'm not doing that for ego. What I'm saying is I'm letting them know I'm for real. So here's what I got. I'm not going to do individual pitches because I know this is not the time nor the place. But if you're serious, here's my contact information. Give me your contact information. And after this market, let's hope we hear from each other because you're going to hear from me. Just so you know, 
You're going to hear from me. And I'm telling you, within 48 hours after arriving home from that market, emails went out to every single person that I spoke with. That was close to 30 people. Now, how many responses to date at the time of this recording have I heard from? I'm going to say maybe I've heard from a third of the people that I reached out to and spoke with. So some will say, hey, Harrison, those are pretty damn good odds. You're lucky you got that much. And you know what? That may be a cynical attitude, but it's probably the truth. Now, there are some that, again, it's summer, people go on vacation, they're on hiatus, yada, yada, yada. Hollywood always has an excuse not to work. And then before you know it, it's festival season. There's always a festival season going on, whether it's Toronto and then it's Berlin and and it's all this stuff. So my response back was, what do you got? Because here's what I got. Now, I've had a couple bites on certain things that may lead to some really good stuff. But we're going to see. That's the hope springs eternal part. You got to keep turning over the stones, folks. However, I did find people that I had drinks with up on on the rooftop. Oh, yeah, yeah. We love it. We love it. We love it. We love this. We love that idea. Email me. Email me. Well, God damn it, I did. And some of them, I've yet to hear from them. So that leads me to the next thing, aside from what do you got? And that is love. Everybody in the industry loves you. They love your work. They love what you did with this. They love this. They love that. They loved your movie. Everybody's got love. It's a word that's thrown around. But in Hollywood, there's a big difference between making love and a good fucking. You can spend a lot of time in meetings with people who tell you how much they love your script. They love you. They love that. But when it comes time to actually consummate that relationship, they fuck you. So let me give you an example. I went to a major studio with a well-known director. Uh, If I mentioned who this director is and and what the body of work this director has done, you're going to be like, oh, holy shit. And I went with this guy uh, kind of to meet with their their low-budget kind of uh, B-movie horror department. And I'm sitting in there. And before I even pitched myself, the executive is sitting in there and, and this guy and he brought his portfolio and he brought these great art concepts of what he wants to do and blah, blah, blah. And all this executive kept saying was, is we love him. We love his work. We love what he's done. We love him, love him, love him. And I kept hearing this and hearing this and he kept bringing out all this great stuff. And I truly do think this guy is stellar. Um, I I think production value wise, what he gets on low budgets is just absolutely stupefying and amazing. And finally, after almost an hour of listening to love, 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 I finally asked the question. And that was, if you love him so much, then why don't you give him a project? And I've said this before. Look, I'll say it to Jason Blum if he's listening right now. Pick out the shittiest project you have at Blumhouse right now and give it to me and I'll make something good. I won't disappoint you. I'll make something that'll work and I'll make something good out of it. And that's what I said to this studio for this guy. Give him your worst. Watch what he does with it. If you love him so much, then give him something to do. Hire him. Neither of us heard from that executive again. We threw back. So what do you got? We've shown what he's got. I pitched what I got. The question is, major studio executive, what do you got? I know what this can sound like to some of you. you. You probably think, oh my God, he's on a rant. I'm not ranting. This is the day in and day out of this career. And if you're out there in the trenches and you're shaking the money trees, whatever, again, you want to use for your metaphor and analogy, it's frustrating. 
And, and it's hard to lock down solid for real financing. There are those of you who know some of your funds fell out the day you arrived first day on set. So I've had a movie, I had a movie that fell out, the financing fell out 10 days and I had the cast, the crew, the locations, it was all locked and ready to go. The tax credits, everything was set to go and we lost it 10 days before. So my question back to any financier is, what do you got? They'll ask you what you got, beware the witch's brooms, beware of love flying all over the place. And most of all, ask that question back. I know this was a short cinema episode, but I hope you got something out of it. It's as sincere as I possibly can be. And if you have any questions about it, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, Drop me an email at my uh, cinema account. And uh, I hope to hear from you. But most of all, if you're out there fighting the fight, keep it up. Hope does spring eternal and keep turning over those rocks. Head on over to iTunes and give me a like and review. And if you want to read my cinema blog, you'll find it at horrorfuel.com forward slash author forward slash Harrison.